This is DevOps and Agile Way Podcast. Hello everyone, this is the new episode of the podcast where I will have a discussion with our great guest. So I have honor today to talk with Sam Williams. And if you are not familiar with him, shame on you, you should go to LinkedIn, check his profile, because there is a lot of interesting stuff about serverless and especially for about the topic which is quite close to me, about the certifications. Well, we both have very similar perception on certifications. Probably some of you will be not very happy with that, but I think this is a very important and very urgent topic today in the IT market. So, Sam, first of all, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it and and, uh, I'm really happy that you are with me today. Yeah, so if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how it come that, uh, you know, that serverless from one side, because you describe yourself in LinkedIn as uh, serverless obsessive, right? Yes, And the certifications on the... Uh, second side, how how it came together, and who? Yeah, so um, I got into serverless purely by accident. Um, I was a mid-level software developer looking for a new job and started uh, or found a job at a startup. And basically, they said, "Oh, by the way, we are AWS only and serverless only." So that was a a bit of a surprise because at the time I'd used a bit of AWS but basically just spun up an EC2. So I had to learn all about lambdas, how to API gateway, DynamoDB, and start building applications really fast because it's a startup, so everything is super fast-paced. Um, yeah. And kind of when I was starting to learn about all these kind of things, I kind of realized that there wasn't that much useful content out there. There was like the AWS docs, which were very dry and were very well sometimes they were just outdated sometimes they were just wrong and Mm. i felt that there was not that much there there wasn't the information i expected like when i learned express or like node there were really good tutorials really good videos so it started off um that i just wanted to make the the serverless tutorials i wish i had when i was first Mm. learning and that's kind of where I'd already done like some general tech tutorials online. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to make some tutorials about Lambda, API Gateway, uh, Amazon mm-hmm. Lex, and those kind of things. And it kind of just blew up from there. Some of my earliest videos now have like hundreds of thousands of views. And I was like, and I got messages from people saying like this, like I spent hours trying to solve this problem. I found your video and five minutes later, I had a working product and kind of being able to really actively help people and like help people learn some, a skill that is like so valuable. I think mm-hmm. we'll probably talk about this a bit more later, but like serverless as a tool set just allows you to have so much more power and so much more, it allows you to utilize your time better instead of spending all your time managing server redundancy and failover protocols and all that kind of stuff you can just go here's the business requirement or here's the customer's request how do i fulfill that by using tools that i know are going to be resilient yeah Um, that's that's really cool and uh, you know yeah the the great content is uh, defending 
itself, right? So yeah, I, I don't need to say that, but really I congratulate you to, to, to have this uh, this amount of uh, good feedbacks and uh, people are happy with that. And you know what is sad? <laughs> and <laughs> This is a little bit crazy. What you said ticked me because you said uh, you wanted to create something what you wish to have when you started. I had the same feeling so many times. Of course, this is the opportunity for us to create something, but it is in fact a little bit sad that we need to always create something to fulfill our own needs, right? Yeah, um there's definitely I think I don't know, I think that AWS is great with a lot of things and with some of the larger services it's really good, at very well documented, very well organized. But I think like Although there is incredibly, there are some incredibly skilled engineers and designers and architects at AWS. Even mm. some of them that are making really good content and really good, like uh, labs. I just think the the dispersion of that, like trying to find the DynamoDB labs, which I did a couple of years ago and was mm. really insightful. Trying to find that, knowing that it already exists, is really hard work. So mm. I don't know how someone who doesn't know it exists could confine those uh, resources yeah, so, yeah that's it's... that's true and and with approach like serverless we have another layer of problem right because when you have ec2 instance or whatever just the virtual machine you install stuff there and you can experiment because you have immediate response in logs right and here those logs from serverless are huh, in the best way to say like very limited right you need to have more knowledge to to make this more informative and this i think this also plays a role with the with the entry point to approaches like serverless yeah um the feedback loop can be it i think it's just a very dev different development experience people are used to i write the code locally i run npm start to run to have my local server running and that's kind of the way that 95% of developers are used to working so as soon as it's like oh by the way this might not work exactly the same as on your locally emulated uh, machine it's like oh that's that's different and the concept of like always ha like only only really doing your proper testing in a deployed environment like that's very alien and that kind of also changes yeah. the design process, the development process, and especially the testing processes that need to yeah. be surrounded by it. And kind of a lot of that is still being like worked on today. There's still new startups and still new products and services that are helping make, especially serverless development, a lot easier to understand and a lot easier to manage and a lot easier to kind of ensure that you're throughputting both a decent amount of like your decent number of features but also resilient and high performance features um, and i think like that was one of the things that originally because complete coding moved from just being video tutorials at some point i got some messages from some ctos and some tech leaders and they were like we love this video but can you help us do this or we love your video we've built this thing but it's really flaky can you advise us on how to architect it better? Um, and that kind of led into what I now do as uh, as about half of my time, which is consulting with start usually startups using serverless to basically get help them make the most of it because there are a lot of things that are kind of implicit 
that aren't aren't outlined like here is your step one step two step three you've now got a resilient system because you've abstracted a lot of the code complexity into architecture complexity that's it changes it changes the complexity dynamics so because it's a newer system and there are less really skilled architects it's yeah it's just a different approach that is needed and that's one thing that that i find i spend most of my time doing with clients is trying to get like a really strong foundation of like even just like organizational practices deployment practices before we even get on to okay now let's get on to the nitty-gritty of like what event bridge uh structure should we use or do we need to use dynamo db ttls and streams like before any of that it's the higher level like how does this affect our normal development processes yeah that's that's true and i cannot agree more with you here because uh this the composition of application and the systems leads us to i said it a couple of times that the in the in the ni- nature nothing can be lost right so we improve something or maybe not improve but uh, let's say if the energy is going somewhere it needs to be taken from somewhere right so if we have easier system let's say in theory easier system like serverless uh, we need to have something more complicated and this is the process around it right and i wonder I have still in mind about this, this discussion about the certification, but as we started this part of the topic, this, it is quite interesting for me how you encapsulate this, like a, this soft part, right? Because this is not like a, <laughs> let's call it real engineering, right? Someone is just bumping into into a keyboard and, and write the code. How do you incorporate this in your trainings? Okay, so... Uh... In my training, like, well, it started off with just YouTube videos. Um, and I find that being able to, I think being able to build something is kind of the first step because the complexity, before you can get onto the really complex parts of how you are engineering, how you are architecting something, if you don't have a fundamental understanding of how it all works, then it doesn't there's no point really being able to know like know oh actually like lambda has a auto scaling limit so it can't scale at a certain rate there's no point knowing that if you can't pro- like properly provision lambdas so i think learning and like moving up the complexity ladder is one thing i always try and do so with my video lessons and with my course that i now have it always starts relatively simple and then adds on to that. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got the practical experience, you can then focus in on kind of the more architectural things where because you know how it's going to work, you know some of the limitations, you can start thinking about how different limitations play off each other, how to mm-hmm. use how like the limitation of one system or one service can be like mitigated by using another service. And I think yeah trying to explain all of that is is a very challenging topic and like i'm planning to do some more like architectural like serverless architecture videos and courses mm-hmm. in the future and trying to i think the best way to learn often is or almost always is by 
doing it, trying it out, seeing how it breaks, because inevitably it will break because that's life. Yeah. And oh, yes. <laughs> then it's saying, oh, okay, that broke in that method or that mechanism. Why did it break? How, and then over time, you build up a, basically a portfolio of patterns that you know are secure. And then architecture because it becomes, instead of just going and having to architect it all in code, it's more like I have blocks of architecture that achieve, like I call it like sub-functionality. Mm. So it's not, it's not here is a function. It's like, here is like, here's how I do search or here's how I do a uh, time delay functionality. And then you can start bolting these together to create the the functionality that you're actually looking to implement. Yeah, that's cool. And, uh, you know, with teaching others, because we can we can say this kind of teaching, right? Uh, even if you do it online and let's say in uh, with serverless world in asynchronous mode, right? So you don't have like a instant feedback. You don't have your students next to you. It is something what is in some service and someone can watch it in even a couple of years later. It is quite tough to be a good teacher, even if you are very good engineer teaching and the passing the knowledge to others is really really something else so if i may ask you how how you deal with that on the beginning of your journey with with explaining things so did you have that, the moment oh damn it i just need to just throw it away because those people don't understand what i'm talking about it things like that's, that yeah that's a really good question um i think i'm quite lucky that well i'm quite lucky that i have like a background where I have done bits of teaching. So I used to, in a completely unrelated field, I used to do um, climbing coaching, mm. like rock climbing coaching. And with that, if you just say, put your left hand here, put your right hand here, put your left foot there, and you basically tell them exactly what to do, they'll get to the top of the climb. But when they try the climb next to them, they're like, okay, what do I do now? And they become reliant on you. So becoming a really good coach in climbing was about teaching them the skills to figure it out themselves. And I think that applies incredibly well to basically anything. Like mm. to be a good teacher, you're, you're teaching them how to solve problems themselves. And so I think from the start, I had a bit of an advantage. But also like, I think I've now have like 120 videos on YouTube or something ridiculous like that. And I've got Oof, probably another 150 like written articles. So like mm -hmm. I've got a lot better. If I look back at some of my early videos, I am absolutely horrified at how badly <laughs> I'm teaching them. But it's just something you pick up. Um, and yeah, I think if people out there are wanting to get into creating tutorials or creating videos or courses or whatever it is, I think having some practice where you do get that instant feedback early on. So like, doing so like with um i'm planning to do some future courses and whenever i do those i'm going to run that with a small group of five to ten people mm -hmm. and i'm going to run it like once a week we'll have a call i'll do the content give them some exercises to go away next week they'll come back because that gives me the feedback on like what did i not explain well what did i mm -hmm. what can i improve on or what can i add or what did everybody already, everyone already knew about that topic. So that can save me five minutes. So I think, yeah, if you can just do that, there's loads of meetups out there that you can go and do talks. 
there's loads of um, like organizations and those kind of things that do like even online meetups where it's more like a we're kind of going to work through a challenge together. And if mm-hmm. you can go as a more mid-level or senior engineer or developer and just go and say, actually, I'm going to go and I'm kind of just going to help help the other people there. That can be a really nice way to work on your teaching skills would be my uh, suggestion. That's great advice. And to anyone of our audience, if you plan to go into this, help others to, to be better, please remember what Sam said, because this is really, really important to, to build this trust, right? Uh, that uh, you, first of all, you know what you talk about. You <laughs> care about the students and also not doing things for them. Or what I mean is what exactly you said, put your hand here, put your leg there. It means that you, of course, as you said, they will reach the goal in this specific task. And that's it. That's why I've, I've done the same thing, really. During the DevOps Academy, we had, for example, the tasks for the people who, most of them, never worked in teams. We've done something like that, that, for example, a group of 15 people was split to three groups. And I just said to them, you work as a group. This is your task. And I saw in their eyes, like, you know, the death is coming, right? The point here was, I explained that. I can say to you exactly, I can explain to you exactly what you need to do in the t- in this teamwork. And you will do it. And you will be successful. You will deliver this small project. But my goal is you to fail. Because this is your safe environment where we can talk about this, where you can see what kind of challenges are waiting for you. The same, like you said, if you put your hand in the wrong part of the uh, of the rock you will learn something this is the safe environment where you take care where you secure those people and they can learn easily and without let's say fear I, i'm not sure i have the the sphere so <laughs> i will not do it but anyway this is this is really great advice and i think i mentioned about the trust and uh, do you believe the building this trust as a trainer especially as an online trainer somewhere away from me, is important? Because, for example, if we have the training, which is, I don't know, two, three, five, eight hours long, do I need to build this trust? Because what is the reason to do that? Yeah, so I think you do. And I think the reason for that is because it's not, it's the time investment. Of, it's a big, like spending four hours or eight hours of your time watching someone else's course, that's a big chunk of time. You could be spending that with your family. You could be out having uh, having fun. You could be you could be like working more hours if you're a contractor, or you could be trying to find some freelancing work and earning some extra money. So you're choosing to spend that time. If they don't trust that you know what you're doing, if they don't trust that you're going to help them achieve their goals, if you don't, if they don't trust that the outcomes that they're looking for are attainable and you're going to help them get there, then why would they spend that time? This is even more the case with like uh, with paid courses because it's also a financial investment. And I've, I've found through with my course and through my YouTube that at the start, it was very easy because most of the people who were buying a course from me were people who had watched a hundred hours or 20 hours of my free YouTube videos or had been 
chatting with me on LinkedIn for the past three or four months. And so when I said, I've got a course, they know, oh, perfect. He's, he, I know that he knows what he's talking about. Those videos were awesome or that video helped me solve a problem. So I'm sure this course will be great. But when it gets to people who haven't been exposed to you, who maybe haven't seen, in my case, my YouTube videos or my articles or haven't seen me on LinkedIn, there's always a lot more of those questions of like, who are you? Why do you think you can help me? Mm. And I think, yeah, trying to build that trust first makes the, makes the, not, you don't have to convince them. Well, you kind of do. You kind of have to convince them to invest their time completing your course or even just like watching your free video. If it's 15 minutes, they could be watching some memes or watching cat videos for 15 minutes, but they're not, they're spending spending those 15 minutes. So there's little things you can do to try and build that trust initially. But I think one of the best ways is just having a big catalog of content that you've made. And the only way to get started with that is just Mm. start making content or start putting your opinion out there and having discussions and yeah, whether it's on Twitter, if it's on Reddit, LinkedIn, YouTube, if you write articles on like dev.2 or if you write articles on medium or whatever you, whatever you want to, I think being able to say you've questioned me and you're questioning, like almost questioning my authority. Here are some examples that show that I do have some of the, I do have the skills that you're, that you're questioning. I think we'll move on to this probably in the next video, the next uh, episode, which is like the, like, how do you show your value? And I think Mm. if you're, if you're looking to create courses, if you're looking to make video tutorials or those kind of things, the the best way of showing that you have those skills and building that authority is by having having things out there in the world, having those discussions, making connections with people. And like even for me, being on this podcast, people will listen to this and go, oh, I heard Sam on that I podcast. Hope. And it, yeah, he'll <laughs> heard him on the podcast. That was a really interesting discussion. He obviously knows what he's talking about. Maybe that course might be quite good for me and exactly i think yeah it's the more feelers you put out there the more ways you try and connect with people and the more content you create the easier it is to build that authority and build that trust with people who are going to take your tutorials and videos or whatever you want to make in the future yeah that's uh, that's very great advice that's just to start all of us will start and all of us started slowly with small things and we grow our portfolio and grow our presence. That's really cool. Yeah, we will go to that. Right? You, you mentioned that. And this is another uh, slight reference to the discussion about the certificate. So let, let's keep our audience still on their toes. And for my curiosity, and probably for the curiosity of the audience, you started this, um, let's say, training staff, and then complete coding came to the picture right so it was like a natural evolution for you to go into this direction and say right so now i will do this for life or whatever um so complete coding started uh, as just the youtube channel um and kind of it was just teaching people how to do to do serverless things and kind of the consulting was actually initially by accident uh, it was it was literally people like CTOs or founders going. We've watched a video. We loved 
we managed to get halfway through what we're trying to build, but we need to build the second half and you don't have a video on that yet. Can you come and spend a day with us trying to build out this, the next functionality or give us or help us with the architecture so that our developers can build that out? And initially it was just like one-off things. And over time I've built some more relationships with founders, which are longer term. So I'm mm -hmm. working kind of as a fractional CTO with uh, about three different startups across the world and trying to just help them make the most of serverless. Because I think, especially for startups, serverless, basically, it I wouldn't say shortcuts, but it just means that you don't have to go down the path of server management, server orchestration, redundancy. It resolves so many security issues mm -hmm. that actually, because AWS is handling all of that, you don't need to consider that. And one of the startups I have worked with had to go through um, the security checks for handling ca um, card payment details. And we looked at if we did it with EC2-based so uh, solutions, it was like, I think there's a there's like 76 criteria you need to meet. Some of those are like physical hardware requirements, like you have a monitored facility. So EC2 covers those. But it was something like 70% of the require or 60% of the require. No, yeah. 70% of the requirements you still had to handle. Mm. With serverless, it was about 42%. So it meant that you're handling less than half of the security requirements because, yeah. and that those kind of things, and also just the speed of development, you can build out features in a matter of days. Like Yan Shui always talks about how he built a social media platform in four weeks on his own. And yeah. those kind of things just wouldn't be possible if you were building, let's call it a more traditional architecture. Mm. So if you can put out twice as many features, if you can put out twice as many updates as your competitor, that's going to mean you're grow going to grow twice as fast and that you're going to become a better product even quicker. And I think any startup out there that isn't using or isn't trying to be serverless first is missing a a massive trick. Yeah. And yeah. My... That is true. That that is true. And what you said about this, let's say, speed of creating MVP and create and testing the hypothesis. This is something what serverless uh, helps a lot, right? And also, I tend to say to people uh, when explaining different compute models and things like that, that because there is a, very often the question, how secure will there be the solution in some vendor so generally we can say really they however ha, doesn't matter how much you will try they still will have more the security certificates than you can have uh, about the physical security etc 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 especially th that was something what i observed and this uh, this fits exactly what you said after chat gpt was released and those uh, whole elements related to open ai we saw a lot of small products, sometimes small, sometimes a little bit bigger. And I think you know what I'm referring to, yeah. where exactly this approach was tested just to prove the concept without huge investment. And I would like to hear a little bit more about exactly this from you. <laughs> yeah, you definitely. Of course can share. Yeah, so I think, yeah, get MVP as fast as possible especially when you're a small startup and you're even better if you're not a funded startup is kind of the best way. It's like, if you can get something 
in your users' hands and get feedback, then you're going to be making your product better. You, I've done this before. I've spent six months, like weekends and evenings, building out a product, put it out into the world, got, I think, four or five free free users and no one wanted to pay for it because it wasn't useful mm. enough. So, yeah, what I decided this year was I was going to try and do the opposite. I was going to try and launch and have a revenue-generating business within 30 days. And obviously, serverless made this possible because like the actual code and the implementation of the core functionality of this application, which for anyone that's listening and doesn't know, uh, I built an application that allows you to go through LinkedIn and click a button. It will read the text of whatever LinkedIn post you want to comment on. It will then automatically generate a appropriate response to that and you can customize it in things with some settings and then it will paste that into the comment box where you can then tweak it a little bit make it more you and then send which basically just uh, speeds up the time it requires to engage on linkedin posts uh, which for anyone that's a linkedin nerd a little bit like me it can help boost your own posts by commenting on other people's so yeah i built this in and i think i had my first users within eight days of coming up with the idea and within 17 days of coming up with the idea, I had my first income. It wasn't, it was $30, um, but it was a $30 a month subscription. And that kind of proved that people were not only willing to use it because by that point, I think I had 200 free users, but I also had people that were willing to pay money. So that meant that I was, justified in spending some more time and some more effort building out more features building out the product uh, because yeah i knew it was something that could become a startup that's that product is still uh, running today uh, it's more on maintenance mode at the moment because there's a lot of other competitors that have jumped in with a lot more money and a lot more time to try and do something similar um but yeah the concept is just getting feedback from your from your actual customers getting payments like it's it's all well and good going to your to your auntie and uncle and going oh would you use this and they go oh it's a lovely idea of course i would but the the ultimate form of validation is cash in hand oh, and yes. yeah serverless uh, can yeah. really help mm-hmm. you get there a lot faster yeah by, by the way it was uh, it is a really nice tool and uh, i use it from time to time just to see how it goes and i observed this from the beginning uh, with really hoping that uh, to, it will be successful for you because th- this was also the proof what we said so people out there if you are listening to this podcast you see 17 days right you said yeah. 17 days for the idea and on my another podcast we agreed that the best ideas are coming to us on the toilet i don't know how it came to you but i, I will not ask you and with this very important question about ideas and where they come to us we end this episode where we had a great opportunity and great pleasure to have Sam Williams with us. And I'm looking forward for the next episode in one week, where we will continue our discussion with Sam. This time we will touch the topic of the certifications. Stay tuned and see you very soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of DevOps in Agile Way podcast with your host, Habeu Pidosh. Subscribe, comment, and do not forget to check our next episodes. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Stay curious. Stay curious.